When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The names behind the numbers. The stories behind the names. This is the Her Hoop Stats Podcast with John Little. But I think it's a unique situation. I think it's great. We're, we're all just grateful to, to be here in a safe environment, playing the game that we love. It's a World Cup field, just going for three months. The biggest newsmakers, the best storytellers. The Her Hoop Stats Podcast. Here's your host, John Little. It is starting to heat up. Welcome into the Her Hoop Stats Podcast. I'm your host, John Little. For another week, we take you through some of the best interviews that you're going to hear from the top personalities in the WNBA and women's basketball itself. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, if it's your first time, welcome to the show. Make sure to peruse some of our previous interviews that we've had over the last year or so. I'm talking about dozens and dozens of interviews with basketball greats, uh, some of the best players that are going now, uh, some great coaching Uh, identities as well that you will find in the backlog and if you're joining us again thank you we appreciate it and we're glad that we've been able to do this uh, for the last year plus and of course we always ask you to rate and review that helps us thoroughly and this is one of three podcasts you'll be hearing this week on this feed coming up on tuesday christy winter scott's going to be back with gabe ibrahim for the courtside podcast once again Uh, they'll give you some mystics flavor and then take a look around the entire wnba as well and then a little bit later on in the week you can count on an unplugged podcast with our friends megan gower and aaron barzilai you know it's been an interesting time certainly for sports last week when the wnba was firing back up I was telling my girls that I was really excited to be able to watch uh, some basketball, some women's basketball. And my four-year-old got all excited. She's like, awesome, can we go to the game? I said, no, we can't go to the game. She was thinking it was a North Texas women's basketball game. We go to, you know, every one of the home games that we can. I think she gets pumped up mainly for the popcorn and the peanut M&Ms. She might like the basketball, too, or at least she's going to grow into it down the line. But that's what I think. So she was disappointed she couldn't go because I said, no, you know, because of coronavirus, they're playing all the games 
far away in Florida. She said, oh, are they going to have cardboard? Took me a second. I was like, oh, like the fans in Major League Baseball. They've been, you know, selling these at Major League Baseball stadiums. You can have your picture put on a piece of cardboard and uh, put up in the stands like you're there. I said, no, I don't think they're doing that uh, this year. But uh, I thought that was pretty funny and how our kids are reacting to all this and just questions that you would have never thought you would have had to answer, uh, you know, if you look back last year and think about all this. Also, a question you would think you would never have to ask would be, hey, what's going on with Diana Taurasi? And this past week, or these past couple games, uh, she has turned things around in a hurry uh, for the Phoenix Mercury, just like you thought that she might. But in the first two games of the season, not only uh, Diana, but uh, you know some of the newer players like Skylar Diggins-Smith having some trouble finding their footing for the Phoenix Mercury. And they started out 0-2, and that's when I got to catch up with Sandy Brondello, the head coach of the Phoenix Mercury. You know, anytime you have three great players like they do in Skylar Diggins-Smith, Diana Taurasi, Brittany Kreiner, you know that they're going to steady themselves eventually. It was just a matter of time before they, they clicked and turned it on. And I'd like to think that I had some kind of hand in turning things around by talking to Coach Brondello when they were 0-2, but uh, you and I both know that is not the case. Uh, Still, it's great to hear from Coach Brondello about what she felt were, were the issues early in the season, how they could get it turned around, and boy, have they gotten it turned around over the last couple games. So from the Wubble, some in-depth chatter with the longtime head coach of the Phoenix Mercury, the great Sandy Brondello. Uh, You're welcome. Uh, You know, things are going to move so fast, game to game, day to day. You know, I ask you these questions and I put the podcast out on Monday and hopefully they're outdated. Hopefully everything has turned the corner for you guys. But, uh, you know, looking at the first two games of the year and specifically uh, yesterday's game uh, against Indiana, what are the first things that come to mind as to why it hasn't all come together in the first couple of games? Well, I really think it comes down to just lack of preparation and uh, having players coming off uh, long-term injuries. And, you know, when you've got new players join a team, it takes time to uh, get that necessary chemistry that you need in a, in a very short training camp um, when we really didn't have everyone available every single game. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're trying to learn on the run now. We certainly have to, and it's been, you know, a little disappointing, especially last night. Um, you know, Indiana played well, so it, um, they, they deserve that win. But there was a lot of things that we could certainly do better. And, you know, we get the opportunity again tomorrow and the next day and every second day. So it's going to be full on from here. Absolutely it is. When you don't have the practice time or three or four days in between games, how do you gain that cohesiveness when you don't have a lot of practice time and it's just game after game now? I think the most important thing right now is, is us evaluating ourselves after each game. So, um, you know, it was you can't train them too hard because, we're, you know, the day in between games and at the moment we're, we're in the second game of a nine-game where we have only one day off in between. Um, not that there's going to be many more than that uh, for the rest of the season. But look, so it was more like, you know, just making sure we're watching ourselves. So we went to, we watched uh, film for about 30, 40 minutes today. And, you know, the areas that we weren't so good at, but also the areas that we were good at. I mean, we still have to, you know, I thought our offensive cohesiveness uh, got better. But yeah, definitely it was more a defensive focus and, and things that are really 
you know, not hard to change. They're, they're all changeable things. It's, you know, just maybe a little bit of effort, a little bit more concentration, a little bit more talk. Um, and, you know, hopefully we can, you know, I- improve. Now, that's not going to happen overnight, so we'll just continue to do that. And then we went on the practice court and then just we simulated some of the stuff that we needed to work on without obviously uh, killing them, running them up and down the court. So it's 60%. And, you know, it's all, you know, muscle memory. Hopefully that's enough to get us through the season and start winning some games. Well, the talents there on your team, I don't think anybody is, uh, you know, doubting that. Uh, one thing you did say is just that your team was overhelping when they didn't need to, specifically yesterday as Indiana uh, shoots over 50% from outside. Do you chalk some of that up to trying to do too much, that overhelp, or where does that come from? Well, really, it really started with the defense on the ball. I, I just don't think we did a, we did a poor job of just containment defense. And, you know, when we're getting beat, you know, we just had the instinct to go and help and then we were creating other shots and easy shots, you know, open shots. And in the end, they did shoot the ball well. They're very aggressive in their guards and their post players hurt us as well too with their penetration. So we've just got to do a better job of one-on-one, knowing that you have team help behind the ball and but stay in place a little bit more. As you look to the dichotomy between your starters and your reserves, at least as it went in the game against Indiana, I mean, there was a, a big disparity there as, you know, several of your starters are uh, in that negative territory and uh, your reserves came in and in the plus minus did a really nice job. What does that say to you? And does it mean that if you're struggling a little bit, you might be more apt to go to some of those reserves? earlier in a game or in more key moments. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think you, you hit it on the, the head right there. It's like we are 10 strong and, and I've said that all through training camp. We have to, we're going to have to rely on these 10 players because of the schedule um, and players, you know, not having played a lot of basketball these last, not just months, um, you know, many months um, in Diana and Skyler. So I, I thought that the bench was, you know, that's why we got back into the game. They just support the necessary energy that you need at both ends of the floor, uh, which helped us. You know, we got stops. We were able to get consecutive stops with them on the floor and get out and run and get some easy baskets. And I thought Bria Hartley, you know, did a great job. But look, Alana Smith, uh, Sophie Cunningham, you know, our, our sophomore players, um, you know, did a really good job too, and just by just doing the little things well. So, look, I won't have any hesitation going to them. And at different times, we're going to need them to play in more than the starters because it is a busy season. We have to try and monitor the load as much as we can, but in the same time, making sure you know we can put our best team and our best five on the court at any given time, so we can um, continue to grow as a team. And I think that's where we're at at the moment. There's no, there's no comfort. We haven't been together for very long. Hartley just outstanding 26 points on 15 shots and plus 10 and the five assists and uh, you know just what is she bringing you uh, besides uh, you know just the numbers why is she excelling she's tough you know I, I just think she's she works she works really hard she's just a tough-minded kid and and she's really skilled I mean be able to she can shoot the three she can do the pull up um, she can get to the uh, the rack and and finish, but she really aided our transition by just by pushing the ball. Um, and that only helps if you got people running around her. So that's why I said Alana and uh, Sophie Cunningham did a good job of, of running and, and providing her with some open gaps. But, you know, in the first game, she, first game, maybe her decision making with her turnovers wasn't as good, but she played with a little bit more poise, you know, first game in a new, new jersey. It's always, um, a little nervous for her, but, um, like she's been our best trainer all training camp and it was, 
it was good to see her do that, and we're going to need a very consistent effort from her. Speaking of Diana Taurasi and Skylar Diggins-Smith, let's start with Diana. Only five shots taken. Where do you think she is right now, physically and mentally, and where would you like to see her be a week from now? Yeah, look, I think, I think Diana's feeling quite well. Now, can she go play 30-plus minutes? I'm not sure she's at that. Um, and we don't really want to, you know, uh, push her beyond the limits with the games that we're coming up. But, you know, I think Diana started the game off. I mean, that's how I'd like to, to see her, um, how she starts the game, you know, the 25-plus the minutes that she gets. She's staying aggressive every single time. I thought she went, you know, she just took away her, some of her aggressiveness on offense and maybe gave up some shots she should be taking. Um, but, look, she's a, she's a winner. Uh, she'll always respond well, but it just taking what shots are given there. But she's, you know, also a great passer and, and creates – for other players as well. But, look, Diana's going to get more, you know, physically in shape. Her body's going to get used to this playing schedule with more games under her belt. So um, hopefully can, she, she'll continue to gain that confidence and, you know, that shooting touch uh, that we'll need. Meanwhile, for Skyler, efficient and almost banked one home that could have potentially tied you guys up very late in that game. Same kind of deal. Where is she right now? And especially with her being a, a new player, for you, you know, where do you see her? How do you see her uh, evolving as a, a lead piece on this team? Well, she's a key piece on this team, and that's why we bought her in. She's an all-star from 2018. Then um, she had a baby last year, as everyone knows. But, um, you know, we think the, we think a lot of Skylar is a player now. She had a few little niggles in training camps. So I didn't get much time on the court. So it didn't help with the chemistry or learning the system. Um, but she's getting better and better every day. I mean, she's she's such a a competitor and you know I just wanted to go out there and play and being aggressive at both ends of the floor and we know what she's capable of and that's just going to come I think she showed signs I, you saw in the, the fourth quarter I thought she was being a little bit more aggressive and um, at both ends of the floor and so it, it's going to come I just she just needs to she feels more comfortable and I think with more comfort level it's going to increase her import as well. Tell us a little bit about your situation in Bradenton because certainly it is unique for you ESPN had a great write-up last week uh, about you and your family how they're uh, kind of handling this whole deal. Why did you and Olaf decide to stay in different spots uh, during this time? Yeah, look, we made the decision and, and, you know, I wanted him to feel comfortable. This is his first year as an assistant coach with the Chicago Sky. He's been in the WNBA for, you know, many years before that, but he's done a lot of the coaching overseas in Europe and Russia in particular. Um, so, you know, we just thought it was great for him to be around his teammate, uh, not teammates, I mean his coaching staff, because really we work all the time. Um, that's what we do. We wake up, we're either clipping, we're on a computer, we're watching games, we're going to practice, we're watching film with players. Um, so it, it will just made it a little easier if he was with his staff and I was close to my staff um, and have a little bit of professional integrity, just knowing that we coach on two different teams and we in and if the if there was no pandemic, he would be in Chicago, I'd be in Phoenix, and we've been in these situations before. I mean, we we love what we do. We're very supportive of each other um, in the roles that we have, and um, so we just decided that. And the kids are totally fine. And, you know, sometimes that we'll sh share them. I've had two, both of them in my, my room the last two nights. I'm not sure if I can handle that anymore in my ho small hotel room. Um, but, yeah, it's good, and it's a great experience for the kids. They love being around the players. Uh, watch, my son loves watching the games, and um, it's probably way safer here than it is in Phoenix at the moment. 
Well, there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, just generally with the way the bubble has worked out, the commissioner said as of last week, uh, right before uh, we're getting ready to start things, there had been no positive tests since that first initiation into basically uh, the bubble there in Bradenton. How have you felt about the approach and the execution uh, of what's going on there in Bradenton? Look, I, I, th- I think it's great. I think the WNBA and the medical people that we have have, have have put together a really safe environment here. I mean, we have daily testing. Um, so like I said, this is the safest place for us to be, and, and we're very grateful that we're able to to play uh, our season. Um, and I think it's great. We're getting way more exposure on, on, on you know, ESPN and ABC and CBS, so national TV networks are picking up a lot of our games, and, and that's a way to increase the profile these are the best athletes. You've seen a lot of high scoring. Um, you know, it's, and people say it's because, you know, defense does demand a little bit more work, but, you know, it's, it's offensively, there's some really skilled players playing in this league. So, but yet, you know, I'm, you know, I commend the WNBA. They worked really hard to, to put this together and, um, which we're very grateful for. So, but yeah, great situation for us to be in. And uh, a safe place for your kids, as you mentioned. How, Far away are you and Olaf staying? Are we talking about it's across the street? Is it a half mile? Uh, you know, where do you meet up for dinner if if you're going to do such a thing? How does that work? No, like we play every other day. He plays today, I play tomorrow, so that's kind of our schedule. Um, we talk on the phone probably more than what we would see each other. We may see each other crossing, or if I'm dropping off my laundry because I don't have a washing machine here, and he takes care of that small thing for me. Um, but look. You know, it's, you know, he's just, I walk in, I drop my laundry off. He's at the same table. He's working. He's very, you know, he's, he's, he, he works extremely hard at what he does. And, but the hotel, I'm situated in the hotel and right across the road is the villas where he's staying. So it's not that far. So our kids should just walk over there if they want or get on their bike. So it's not much, not much more than 400 meters, to be quite honest. Uh, what's not being talked enough about when it comes to uh, the bubble situation? Give us give us some inside information, something that you haven't told anybody else. What's the inside information, the inside scoop that we need to know? <laughs> well, right now I'm watching my son play on his Xbox with his friends, um, you know, so which he spends way too much doing. Um, <laughs> and I have a little bit of a messy room at the moment because I've only, you know, the, the cleaners didn't come and, you know, I had both kids last night, so it's not the tidiest room, to be quite honest. But, like, it's comfortable, and that's all that we need. It's comfortable room, and um, there's, a, there's a picture on the wall, but it's good. I've uh, I coached in Russia for five years, so totally fine, this bubble. I think it's a great situation, and, and I think for, for most, um, everyone's enjoying it. Is there an added camaraderie to this season that you can feel just because – of the situation that you're in, everybody having to stay in the same place, play in the same place, all that sort of thing. Just what's the feel as opposed to any of the other seasons you've been a part of? Well, it, it, it feels like in a, a world championships and an Olympic game. So you're seeing other teams and other coaches. So you can, you know, you can get to know them a little bit, you know, more. So it's really, even though we're very competitive in that, you're still one big family. Um, Although most teams, you know, stay together, but you're going to cross cross them in the, the either in the lift or, you know, there's going to be some kind of communication after, you know, in the weight room and all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, they're pretty separate. But you're going to see them obviously at the dinner things. And but I think it's a unique situation. I think it's great. Like I said, we're we're all just grateful to to be here in a safe environment, playing the game that we love. Um, so 
yeah, so it's a, it's a World Cup field, just going for three months. There you go. Does it do your soul good just to have some basketball right now? Obviously, you are going to get the honor to coach Australia, you know, this year in um, in the Olympics. And if that would have gotten taken away and then the WNBA season as well, does it does it make you relish it a little bit more that you've you've got this opportunity this summer? Yes, no, definitely. Um, you know, I, I love what I do and, and I've I say I got the two best jobs in the world. I coach in the WNBA with the, the Phoenix Mercury, and I also coach the Australian Opals. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate we're, the Olympics aren't going ahead, but you know, I was, I was really excited when I knew that this season was going to go ahead. And um, just back playing ball. I mean, it's you know, when you when you don't have it, you know, you really miss it. And I'm obviously with coaching two different teams. I'm, I usually stay pretty busy all year round. So those three months in you know, basically lockdown in Phoenix was was good because you get to spend a lot of family time and all that. But I also spent a lot of time talking to coaches and, and watching clinics and continue to grow as a coach. But, um, you know, it, it nothing beats preparing for a game. I love the, the actual preparing and, you know, watching the games, coming up with a plan and, and the in-games. Now, I prefer it if we would be winning these the last two games, but um, – you know, we just gotta we gotta keep pushing. It's like, okay, how what do we need to do to to get better? And that's our thing. It's like, well, let's control the controllables uh, right today, and then what we can do tomorrow, and um, and, and we'll keep plugging away about, about that. But yeah, I love it. Are Are you superstitious at all? Like, did you leave anything back in Phoenix accidentally that you know <laughs> that you need somebody to ship you or anything like that? That you're like, man, if I had that, hey, this this would be a little bit different start right now. Or uh, did you remember everything? <laughs> yeah, I remember everything. So I wish it was a better start, but you know, it's like hopefully it won't. Be, it'll be a fast finish. I mean, that's the main thing, and um, we know what we're capable of. We, you know, we think we have a have a even though we're only 10 players, I think we have a strong roster, but, you know, still trying to find our identity a little bit. But, you know, each game we're getting better, but we need to, to, to win games and be dominant. We know we have to go to another level. But I didn't forget anything. And, you know, Amazon and UPS, they still deliver here. So nothing really changes. Yeah, just got to Lysol it a little bit and everything uh, will be okay yeah. in the end. Um, but a yeah. uh, final question for you, Coach, and I'll, I'll let you uh, get out of here. Uh, you, you brought up a couple times, you guys are 10 strong, and you know maybe you're not as, as deep as a few teams or at least don't have 12 players uh, currently available. Uh, it seems like everybody's dealing with something. Uh, what are your thoughts on roster construction and 10 uh, versus 12 and, and the differences between it? Yeah, I mean, it obviously helps the rotations a little bit better once you're into a season. I think it's always sometimes hard to play 12 players. You know, 10 players, you know, we say we're 10 strong. We're actually 11 strong, but um, Jessica Breland couldn't be with us due to the, you know, the high-risk category. Um, so that's unfortunate because we were really looking forward to adding her to a team. She was going to be a key piece. But we, we, we really like the, um, you know, the rookies we had from last year. Now, they're still growing. Uh, in the in the the professional league, and but they're getting those unique experiences, which is going to aid their development. Um, and not, we talked about Skylar Diana still coming back from, you know, hadn't played for such a long time. We know they're going to get better and better. And BG had her first break for a while, so didn't have great preparation coming in here. And you know, we really didn't even get ten players to practice with in training camp. It's hard to to you know to simulate a real game situation. So um, we'll just continue to build. But I do. I, I believe, you know, it doesn't. I'll go to war with whatever players we have, but I do like the players that we have. They're high character. 
you know, we just got to keep pushing and working hard and staying together and hopefully good things will happen for us. Uh, you certainly have the pieces, no doubt about that. And uh, we wish you the best as you try to herd them in the right direction this season, Coach. Thank you so much for your time and uh, just wish you health and happiness out there in Bradenton. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks so much to Coach Brondello, the sniper, for joining me here on the Hurry Hoop Stats podcast. As always, I just appreciate the time uh, that people would give, you know, me to talk to them so I can bring it to you. And that's how this podcast thing works. A reminder, rate and review the podcast. We really appreciate it. It helps others find it. And I'm just loving the coverage of the WNBA. I mean, we're a fifth of the way through the season, basically. Four games into 22, almost 20% of the way there. This thing is going to go so, so fast. So can't wait to be with you again next week and talk about it. But we've got more coverage coming up for you this week. Christy Winter-Scott and Gabe Ibrahim with the Courtside Podcast coming up tomorrow. And then later on this week, Megan Gower and Aaron Barzilai on the Unplugged Podcast. The announcer on the Her Hoop Stats Podcast is Susie Solis. Our music by Jared Deck. JaredDeckMusic.com. Aaron Barzilai is our executive producer. And I'm your host, John Little. Reminding you at the Her Hoop Stats Podcast, we are unlocking better insight about the women's game. Her Hoop Stats.